Welcome to the Remarkable Relationship Show with Mercy Russell, where we find the wonder in your story. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 35 years of experience applying the science of relationship systems to my practice of psychotherapy and leadership consulting. My intuitive skills allow me to bring clarity and vision to your challenges. I hope you will be surprised in the next hour. Good morning. This is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. My goal is to bring a fresh perspective to you on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. In my 40 years of working as a psychotherapist, I have been continually amazed at the ways in which people overcome challenges. Today, I hope to share my experience, insights, and to stimulate your thinking. Good morning. So today, my guest is Hazel. Hazel is a friend who I often speak to on the phone. And the thing that is um, the, the topic of this show today is going to be um, how we use our intuition in um, living our daily lives. And, I, I, and also, I want to also talk about how we use our intuition in um, our interactions and relationships with other people. So, Hazel, hello. Hello, Mercy. Hello. <laughs> good morning. Um, to and say, good morning to everyone else. <laughs> um, this is so, as this is so common that when Hazel and I talk, I have, I have been walking around with a big question in my mind and a sort of a dilemma. And I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. And I have a little, and then I have a thought, well, somehow this is going to work out right. And then often what happens is, um, Hazel, I get a call from Hazel. <laughs> And that happened today. So if for anyone who was listening to the show last week, I'm still in Seattle and I'm helping my son move. The movers are coming tomorrow. And it's been quite a project, I think, as most people know, who are making big moves. Okay. And <laughs> so I was wondering, how am I, um, how am I going to do a radio show? on the day that the movers are coming and um you know is it at any rate i was thinking about all kinds of possibilities wondering how i was going to pull this together and um then what happens hazel calls me and the last time hazel and i talked we talked about doing an interview like today so here we are <laughs> yeah. So Hazel, how do you understand this when this happens? It, it happens so frequently. I think on my birthday, I was walking around and I thought, well, hmm, 
wouldn't it be good to, wouldn't it be nice to hear from Hazel today? And what do you know, within 15 minutes, I got a call from Hazel. Because you were able to feel very good about it, feel at ease about it, and then continue on throughout your day, you allowed it to be without even being aware that you were allowing it to be until you saw that it was done. And then you thought to yourself, I just thought about that. But you never want to neglect giving yourself enough credit that you are the one that created that before it happened. And you'll find that you do it all the time. You'll speak about someone, they'll appear, they'll call you. You'll think about even the food and all the sudden someone's bringing it to you. Or they're even telling you they're eating it themselves and you'll say, I was just thinking about it. You know, so you are creating daily at your finest when you're doing it with ease, without force. You know, a lot of times uh, some people say, well, I'm always, why can I create a million dollars? Well, you're, you're creating it, but you're... In that moment, thinking of why you can't, the moment you just said it, you know, and that's why it's not presenting itself. So, and to not overstimulate you, this is why I call you in those 15 minutes. <laughs> well, I love that, you know, um, just the reminder that, of, that we create our experience. And I think, you know, part of what happens is that, you know, people are thinking about the big things, right? Like, oh, I, you know, wish I had more money or, um, I, you know, I'm, I really want to get married or I really want to have a child or, I really want to develop my career. They're all thinking about the big things and trying to manifest something with the big things, but they're not paying attention to how they're creating all these little, what you, what you could also call sort of small coincidences, or we think people think of them as coincidences, right? But they, right. but they aren't aware that they're have how much they are creating their daily experience. So they don't give, they don't acknowledge or own the power that they have. That, that is evident every day. Every day, and not to mention, we're doing it every second, whether we realize it or not. So you'll have millions and millions of creations that you have floating and you have that backlog, right? So as you go into the next day, you'll, you'll say to yourself, man, well, I thought about that a week ago and here I am doing it. Well, that's just how intensive your backlog is. It's coming and you don't need to dwell on it. Once you send that desire out, know that it will be. You don't need to keep dwelling on it. That causes confusion. And you start creating a lot of lack that happens a lot quicker because you never can forget how your emotion 
and the way you feel really plays a part in how fast it is to be. That is critical. You know, so you have your, your backlog at play. You have everything that's backlog that you've desired coming to you. And then a lot of times you got the skip line, right, where you'll be feeling so intensely about something, even if you're crying about it. A lot of times you got to be aware that you'll be crying so intensely that all of a sudden the whole day goes to the cahoots because you're really giving so much power to that sadness that is amplifying it, you know? So you can do the same thing with your joy. You can wake up feeling so good and so happy and watch how a lot of those good things start amplifying from that joy. You'll lay down that tiny thing, man, I had an excellent day. You know, so your emotions really play a part in how fast you're creating also, you know, but, it's all for purpose. It all comes in due time. It all comes, but nonetheless, it's coming. That's never to be forgotten. So, Hazel, I have a question for you. In, in my profession, you know, trained as a, as a psychotherapist, with, as a psychiatric social worker, the, uh, the um, primary way of or assumption that underlies the a clinical practice is that a, a traditional one, let's just say a traditional or conventional one, is that there is such a thing as a normal, healthy person. And that when people are troubled or, um, you know, having, you know, as you say, or they're, they're feeling very down, or they're feeling very anxious, or they're having trouble um, doing what they want to do, or their behavior is pro of causing problems for other people. The assumption is that there's something wrong with them. And, you know, that they're, that these differences are an abnormality and that there's something that needs to be cured or fixed. What, does that make sense to you? Well, they're saying there are, there's a problem. So therefore there is a problem because they're creating it, right? So when you tell someone that they need to be fixed, either one or two things happen they believe it and they feel broken or they say no i'm not broken you're the one that needs to be fixed you know so it really it boils down to how the person they're saying that to is going to receive it you know um, but i i prefer to go a different direction with that myself when i am encountering two people that are affecting each other's world in a way to where the other feels as though the other is causing the problems, you know? And for me, I know that it's always a misunderstanding of communication, two completely different views going on. And if you ask each one what happened, 
they both would have a different story because they're either both upset about something and one is either reacting very intensely, you know, and but there's a lot of finger pointing going on. So for me, I always want to embrace both sides of the story to really try to find balance and start there. You know, so it depends on each individual situation. And I look at each situation as that. Don't compare it to another. I look at it as an individual and try to figure out what's going on. So if if you were to tell me that you spoke with with John, you spoke with John and, and he's broken, well, I will need to speak with John myself and figure out why you came to that conclusion. But most importantly, see how John feels about himself. You know, so there are so many different reasons why mm-hmm. someone would call someone broken. But one thing for sure, everyone pretty much has someone that they've called broken. And that person's called them broken back. So who is really broken? That's interesting, isn't it? I think since I was young, um, I have, I had this sort of natural inclination or ability to sort of, to see things from other people's point of view, right? And so if someone's, I was very rarely actually bothered by someone else's behavior, even if it was not what other people expected or thought was normal. I just thought it was interesting, right? And then mm-hmm. the, um, I do think, I think when I was young, I was, what would you say? I was um, very introspective and, um, um and sometimes kind of in a in a i guess i you could say moody i don't think other people would have called me moody but looking back at it i would i don't know i had a certain way of thinking about things that was probably you know more related to the ways that maybe my parents thought about things so, um, but it, when I started to work with people as a therapist, I really just became curious. I mean, I was just always curious about what their experience was. And I didn't actually really believe that I could cure somebody, right? Or um, there's, a, there's a phrase, in you know the world of psychoanalysis of psychoanalysis really but it's also become part of psychotherapy uh, is to have a corrective emotional experience and I never felt like I was capable of you know giving someone more important experience than they had with their parents right or to be the the right to be the to, to whatever, be the perfect parent to a, an adult client didn't make any, it never made any sense to me. 
So I, so for me, it was really, you know, I think what I had to offer people really was more my curiosity and my interest in their experience. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't really ever think that I, you know, could cure somebody or fix them. Um, There's never a burden you want to take on. That person always had, must find that within themselves, you know, because they need to live out their own life experience to be able to make their own decisions, to be able to come to their own conclusions. You know, so it's always interesting to to listen to what led up to them making that decision. And most importantly, what decisions are they wanting to make going forward? You know, so it's always about going forward and, and using your path is not something to feel down about, but for something to feel good about that experience, loving that you survived it, and to go forward and always focusing on what it is you're wanting to do. And a lot of times, people can get very caught up in overly talking about the bad experiences to where they keep reliving it, reliving it, reliving it, and not speaking enough about what it is they desire, because you want to speak about what you're desiring, what you're wanting, so that you can always be creating that, you know, and having all of that coming for you as you go through your future and you go forward. So you want to be a little weary about that, using past experiences for growth and strength, you know, regardless of what it was. And you have to really always navigate someone in that direction, you know. So it's never about fixing them. It's helping them feel good about the experience in a way that is not so saddening, but more empowering and focusing more on where it is they're wanting to go. And if they don't know, right? Because sometimes you'll encounter that, right? You mm -hmm. just don't know. You'll feel like, well, all I know is sadness. I, I don't even know what goodness to think of. Then what would you like to do in this moment? You know, you focus on that moment. Ask them what they would like to just do right now, you know, and, and allow them to focus on that just to keep it easier. But everyone's completely different. But to take on the burden of trying to fix someone is a burden you won't be able to accomplish. Right. Um, it's a, so it's, at, at any rate, I'm thinking about this too, is that my, um, um, sometimes people want to focus on what is, you know, painful or how they get really kind of caught up in how things aren't right or someone didn't treat them right or a parent you know they don't understand their parent um so i was talking to a young man today who's you know has a young child that he's just in totally enamored with and he 
doesn't really talk to his father and his father is really uh, just never really gets in touch with him and he can't understand how he his father could have had a child the way he does and ever get to the point of not wanting to talk to that child. And it's very hard for this young man to see, to, to, to accept this about his father. Um, so I think that's an example of someone who just, in a way, gets caught in the negative feelings about that situation. Mainly they're feeling that way because they're wanting that person to be who they are wanting them to be. They need to separate that. They are who they are. And their father is who their father is. And you want to accept that because that's what it is. Their father is completely okay with not talking to them every day. They're fine with that, right? That's what they're doing. And you can't expect your desire to be everyone else's desire. So the fact that you decided to speak to your child every day, that was your desire. And you want to bask in that. Enjoy that because you're living out what you're wanting to do. But to force your desire upon someone else just because you're believing is right, whether it's right or wrong, that's not the question. The point is, this is just how their father chooses to live. And they want to be able to embrace that difference. That's all they can do. You know, know that their father doesn't speak to them every day. Know that's the way he is. That's the way he's always been. Right? You want to embrace the difference. If it does not mean you have to like it, but you can't change it. And you don't want to tell them how they need to live their life because that causes more conflict. You know, the father's at peace doing it the way that he believes is best and easier for him. It's his life. Right. Even what the son doesn't like it. Mm -hmm. That's his father's choice. Now we all have our free will. It doesn't mean that we like the decisions that everyone mm -hmm. makes. So, but we have our own free will. So the son needs to separate that. Needs to separate it. Um. So we are going to have to take a break in a couple of minutes, but. I want to just, um, one thing that happens that you are very good at, and which is one of the reasons I enjoy our conversation so much, is that you can often hone in on really what the heart uh, is, go what, what's really going on between two people. And sometimes you can see that things are really okay. And other times you can see that, oh, this really isn't a good situation. And it's interesting because in my work, I've worked with a much more analytical approach. But what I found as the years went on is that 
I would get a very strong sense about a situation and about what was important about it because I could see that there were many variables and that logically, you know, I, there was not a particular logical way to choose which of these 20 variables or aspects of a person's situation were, was important. So what I found is that I was in a sense using my intuition. You know, I started to call my analytical template, my tea leaves, right? I would look at them, but then what was important would pop out. So we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, I want to hear how, you know, how you started to develop the intuitive aspect of your work with people. This is Mercy Russell with a Remarkable Relationship Show. And today my guest is my friend Hazel. We're talking about the use of intuition in our daily lives. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Hi, tune into my new show, The Remarkable Relationship Show, with me, Mercy Russell. I bring a fresh perspective on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. And you can visit my website at leadershipwithmercy.com. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. Hello, good morning. This is Mercy Russell with a Remarkable Relationship Show. So today I'm talking with my friend Hazel and we're talking about just the use of intuition in our daily lives. Um, I was just speaking with Hazel about how I started to notice the, the way I was using intuition in my work as a psychotherapist and how I was trained in a very sort of, you know, science-based clinical approach to um, helping people who were, you know, coming for therapy. Um, but as time went on, as the years went on, I started to notice how I was using my intuition to decide what to talk to people about and how I could, um, how to approach their concerns. Um, so anyway, that was what I was sharing. And so now, Hazel, I wanted to ask you um, if you could talk a little bit about how you developed 
your you you're a much um, you're a master in the intuitive arts, and so you're I'm sort of more advanced than I am. But um, I just wonder how did you uh, how did you begin to to develop or use your intuition? How do you understand it? Well, how would you describe it? Well, I I wouldn't say develop, right? More aware. So I I started becoming very aware that I was able to feel the emotions and have a knowing, a clear knowing. I would hear a clear knowing of of something before it happened. And I say aware because as these thoughts would come to me and I see it play out, I would say to myself, wow, I, I knew that. And then I became aware that when I am around certain groups or when I go in certain stores, I can always identify the emotions of ones that are within my vicinity or if I focus in on one person, I would I would get a certain knowing about them. And hmm. it's as if it just comes. So it's more of an awareness. Now, as I became more aware of this, I I realized that I should say something. So I started doing that. And I noticed that until things play out, it is very difficult for some to really embrace what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so I learned to realize that there is no need for me to ever attempt to force someone to believe what I'm saying, allow them to just live it, you know, and if they choose to do something different then wonderful, and if they don't, then that was for its purpose, and the next time they will be able to make a different decision, you know, so as I became more aware, I just started embracing it and listening to it and there are moments where it can be intimidating because I can also become aware of a, a feeling that that something is also about to go wrong so I have to learn to embrace that part also mm -hmm. right and I have to also be able to embrace that no matter what it is even though it's not feeling right I will be okay and I will overcome it so I started looking at that feeling differently you know and I come to realize that feeling even allows me to start even being able to create at my finest because I I start having such counteractive thoughts to that feeling that I am able to shift things around by just not letting that feeling become so abundant you know so it becomes very complex so to answer the question I became more aware and I embraced it and 
I live by it. Mm-hmm. Even when there's something that I do not like, that I know, because there is good and there is bad. You know, we always have that wall of harmony. And I know that the bad is also serving its purpose and that the good will always counteract it. You know, and I find such peace in that. Mm-hmm. And it allows me to be able to handle moments that a lot of people would get really caught up in and find very devastation. I I find to be a, a strength, you know, and, and I grow from it and I know there's no gain in dwelling on it. And I, and I just love my awareness of that mm-hmm. and I just live it. So... I wouldn't say developed, I more became aware, and as I became aware, I embraced it. Mm-hmm. And I just embrace it with just pure intent, going with the flow, but most importantly, it's never more than you can bear, no matter what. Never more goodness than you can handle, never more badness than you can handle. Huh. I, um... It's interesting what, you know, listening to you talk, I'm reminded of the time when I decided to become a therapist and um, I was, I had moved, just moved to New York city and I was looking for a job, but I wasn't employed yet. And I um, had read a, I was reading a book called what colors your parachute. It's probably in its 15th edition by now. And um one of the questions they asked was if you had, you know, all the money you needed and you didn't have to work, what would, what do you love to do that you would do? I mean, this was a way of choosing your career. And at the time I was spending a lot of time alone because um, the friend that I was staying with was working up in Albany. She wasn't in the city. And so I, and I didn't have a job yet and I didn't have any money. So I was really just sort of walking around the city and I love New York City. So I love the energy. And I was a young woman and I would just sit and watch people go by. I would just, you know, big people watcher. I just kind of sit on somewhere. I find a place to sit on the street. And just, I remember at lunchtime somewhere, just watching people walk by and every person that walked by I would get a picture, I would, in in my mind, of what they were thinking about, where they were going, what they were doing, something about their life. And it was like, it was all, I thought of it as a game that I was playing, because I was so curious about the inner world of people walking around. And um, it reminds me of this scene of, I think it's, Bruce Willis is an actor in the movie. Of course, I can't remember the name of it, but he walks through, you know, Union Station or Penn Station and, you know, he sees this man who's a criminal and he can just, he looks at him and he gets this whole hologram picture of his life. It's kind of a magical thing. And, um, but that's how I felt it was for me. And, and it was also sort of a game I played. And that's when I decided, oh, well, I'm just really interested in what pe- what's going on inside of people. I should become a therapist. 
And the other thing was my favorite book when I was about 12 or 13 was about a girl who got hit on the head. And when she got hit on the head, she could hear the thoughts of other people. And, you know, it, it created kind of a drama. And then she eventually got hit on the head and lost it again. And I just thought that was amazing, that that would be the most amazing thing would be to hear the thoughts of other people. <laughs> it can be very stimulating, uh -huh. very stimulating. Right. I mean, it's one thing to hear what people are thinking. It's another thing to see their life in a bigger, a bigger picture of their life, right? And sometimes bigger yeah. than what they can see, because, of course, we're not so, it's sometimes easier to do that. It's, a, it's usually easier to see that for other people than for ourselves. Mm, this is accurate. But you always want to focus on your bigger picture for yourself. You never want to lose focus of that. But it's, it's very interesting to be able to also, you know, imagine another world too. You know, but always be sure you're allowing yourself to have lots of manifestations for your world more than anything. And what I did, I was, I think at the time, I, I started reading, um, I was, I started reading Carl Jung. And um, I was always interested in in my dreams. So that's when I started to get interested in dreams and to kind of keep a dream journal. And then I worked for a psychoanalyst. And I think as my whole career was developing, and then I went, you know, into school to become a clinical social worker. But I, um, it's interesting, because I think that into that intuitive part of me was kind of was not what I was really paying attention. I was paying attention to learning this framework and this knowledge that was basically taught in medicine. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. And you know, that's what makes you so wonderful. You're able to live that life experience and come to the conclusion from your intuition through those experiencing of knowing that there's more that you can help guide them to do. Mm. Well, what's interesting in one of the, you know, I've, I've spoken to some other people who I've interviewed for the show is that I found that um, that this certain approach that I got very interested in to you know looking at family relationships over generations brought out these experiences that were just um, totally um, what you might call the multi-sensory or unexpected and it, what it really showed was the the energetic connections that we have to other people even if they're not alive right or to places mm -hmm. that we haven't been but our family has been we go there we have the same experience that kind of thing um that our ancestors did so i 
you know, I think as the years have gone on, I've really become really, you know, as interested in the fact that this kind of, um, this kind of connection and the energetic connection that we have and the influence that we can have over our lives with the way that we, what we choose to see and how we choose to understand things, that has become really important to me. And I don't see it as a contradiction to, um, a, I guess what I would call a, a systems way of thinking that looks at as much, as broad a context as possible of that person in their life. Um, so I don't see it as a contradiction, even though one is considered very scientific and the other one is, you know, I'm talking about using my intuition more. Yeah, well, you're doing a great combination of both to help them find that balance, you know, and you'll, you're finding a way to merge both worlds to where it benefits that individual, you know, so following your intuition in that aspect, you know, is going to always benefit them, you know, and that's always your goal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you're merging both worlds from your your school learning and combining that with your intuition, you know, with the person that's in front of you, combining both, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the experiences I often have when I talk with you is that I'll be, you know, worrying about something or curious about how something is going to turn out. And often when I have asked other people for advice, I, I get a, I might get a confirmation of something I already knew, but I hadn't quite articulated yet. Now, my experience with you is um, similar to that in that I don't feel as if I'm being told something I didn't know on some other level you know this well, you know yeah. so if I say to you you know I'm just I'm really worried about you know such and such and you might say you know oh that's going I think that that's really going to turn out just fine I'll think yes you know I'm I guess my mind is worrying about it because I don't see reason. I really feel like, yes, that's how I feel too. So, I mean, it sounds like maybe I just go along with you, but I know that's not really the case. The case is that, you know, that because I, there, I have talked to people who said things and I've said, no, that's not right. <laughs> you know, but the other thing that happens when I talk to you is I get, um, sort of uh what would you call it um i i get a lesson you, you probably don't even know you're doing this but i get a lesson in how to tweak my thinking in a way that's really more productive 
and that really brings me peace. And my logical mind might say, now, is that really true? Like, are you missing out on something if you look at it that way? And then, but it's always clear to me that it's just so much easier to see the situation from a perspective that is, I mean, I like to, I feel like to feel like I can empower people to trust themselves. And I feel often feel I often feel like when I'm talking to you that that's what happens to me. Mm. You know, that's always important, you know, because a problem is no longer a problem as long as it's no longer affecting you, even though that problem is still present, you know? So it's all in the way that you're able to view it, you know, and, and look forward and allow yourself to just do something else, you know, anything else. And you're able, and I love the way you wrote it, you were able to bring yourself peace. You see, that was, even though that problem didn't go away, you know, you were still able to bring yourself peace because it was no longer affecting you, even though the problem was still present, you know, and, and that is always the key, you know, and, and that's what's wonderful about what you do because you're able to speak to someone, you're able to let them talk and let them see that the problem is not going to go away, but you don't need to be affected by it. And you're able to have peace by that, you know, and you're, you're releasing yourself of that burden of trying to fix something that you don't mm -hmm. know how to fix in that moment or change something that you don't know how to change in that moment. You just, so not a let it, it's just don't let it affect you. You know, and a lot of times you can almost feel like that could be too simple, but really, it's that simple. I know it does sound a little magical in the world of, you know, <laughs> you know, psychiatry and medications. And, you know, I think sometimes it's, you know, I do feel like, you know, there are things that are helpful to people, um, you know, such as medications or, and, you know, particular uh, treatments or approaches to um, therapy that are, you know, very specific or very specific techniques. Um, so I don't think it's all a matter of changing the way you see things or feel about them sometimes you need some help with that wouldn't you say i only stay focused on what it is that i'm wanting to feel and i live by it you know a lot of times my my family and you know other people will say to me you're you're never sick you know and and they're always sick and they're always having to deal with these colds and, and i tell them because you're always worried about being sick 
you know, I say that to my sister, I say, you're always worried about it. And you are constantly sick because that is the energy you're creating. And I say to them, have you ever heard me say, I'm worried about being sick? Have you ever heard me complain or show any type of concern about my health? I don't. I will not live by that. So I only say I'm feeling good. I feel wonderful. Excellent. I take no medications. I can eat no colds, no sickness. <laughs> I only believe that. And I live by it. When you find yourself becoming concerned about certain issues, they will start to become quite evident in your world, whether you're wanting to acknowledge that you're creating it or not. Mm -hmm. But you really are. You're always the creator, whether you're wanting to believe it or not. You really must live by that and fully grasp and know it. So no worries are needed. And any type of concerns or worry that you apply to yourself will become evident. You will start to see it within your world because you're creating it. So it's all in what you believe and what you create. Hey. If you're worried about it, it will present itself. Hey, so what about grief? Grief I defined as holding on to something that is overwhelmingly sad. Is that the definition you yeah, will agree somebody, upon? Also? Well, somebody's grieving a loss, you know, somebody having. Yeah, feelings of sadness because of a loss of some kind, a death or, yeah, or some other big, important loss. I mean, Grief I, mm -hmm. I mean, is always a choice. And, and I know that can come across as, as like, oh my, but, um, but this person's mother just passed away, right? They just passed away, and, and and they should be grieving, but there is no gain in that. There is none. There is none. Mm -hmm. None. To continue to decide to, to cry and be sad is you wasting away precious minutes where you could have made a different decision, but it's always your choice to make. So if you felt that in that moment, to be sad, then that is your choice. But one thing's for sure, doesn't matter how long you grieve, you will eventually want to smile. <laughs> the law of harmony will always kick in. Mm -hmm. So when someone is choosing to feel that grief and feel that sadness, it's because they're focusing on what's wrong rather than what is good. They're giving all their emphasis to it. Mm -hmm. So it amplifies. Sometimes it's always a choice. Yeah, sometimes the body, the body. I had experience sitting at the bedside of a friend of mine who died, and she and I always talked about how our spiritual relationship was stronger than our physical one. We both felt a little like clumsy physically, you know. We just felt like, oh, the spiritual world is just much stronger. But then when she died and I sat next to her, um, I thought, oh, okay, well Marsha's gone, but her she just left her body and um 
And then all of a sudden I started keening, you know, I started wailing and this kind of funny wail that they call keening. And I was like, someone came in to look at me sitting next to her. And I was like watching myself going, this is crazy because I don't, I know she's not really gone. She just sort of passed over. Right. But then I realized that the, it was in my body, you know, that my body was reacting to the death of her body. And it was a very powerful experience I had, but it was one in which I realized, well, there is the body, you know, like, I mean, it just. Yes. So you want to, I define that as emotion, right? So mm -hmm. as you sat there, the emotion took over, right? And you released it, right? So you want to be able to release that emotion. Never ever feel bad about the tears, you know, release it. You, you're missing your friend and there's nothing wrong with that because of the bond that you made, but you don't want to turn it into grief where it's overwhelming sadness, you know, release that emotion, feel, feel that emotion. That emotion allows you to know that you love that person, right? It's an acknowledgement. So the moment that you just described is more you feeling that overwhelming love. And if you felt that love for her, you released it with tears. You know, you felt the emotion of the sadness. But to continue to dwell on that is where it becomes grief. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to be able to do that. You want to release that emotion, you know, and then feel good about all the memories and feel good about their relationship. But always acknowledge that we all have our time to go from our physical bodies, right? The physical body is temporary. We must never forget that. A lot of people will get caught up in, in believing that there, there's a certain expiration date and saying that maybe someone died too young, but really no one has a date. You may be two years old, maybe one day you'll die. You may be nine years old and you die, but we are all guaranteed that, you know, so you don't want to get caught up in grief on that because the moment you're born, you can die at any minute. No one's promised 20 years, 20 minutes. No one's promised that. You know, so you want to always bask in the goodness and what it is. Love making those love bonds, but never let grief overwhelm you to where you're living in sadness. There's no gain in that. No gain in it. So, hey, but so. what you felt was mm -hmm. emotion. Yeah, that's, I think that's really, I, I love that definition of emotion. It was so at Hazel, our time is up. And I just want to thank you for joining us today. I always love talking to you. And I hope that my listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank and so this is Mercy Russell of the Remarkable Relationships Show. Today, I've been talking to my friend Hazel, and our topic has been the use of intuition in your daily lives.